It's movie time, and we're back again. Uh, and uh, hello, I'm your host, uh, Grayson. How are you doing? Hopefully good. And today we have our panelists back again for part three, the lighter side of Hollywood. With us today, we have Ava Jean Westland. Say hi, Ava Jean. Hi, Ava Jean. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Olaf Barbosa. Say hi, Olaf. Hi, Olaf. And Nathaniel Lee. Hey, Nathaniel. Hey, how's it going? Good. And Rick J. Shout uh, out, Rick. Hello from the Lake of the Ozark, Missouri area. And we have, of course, our fabulous uh, sound man and our co-host, Kente. Hey, everybody. Yeah, it's like uh, who had a nice hellish time at the DMV today, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but hey, I, I, I got what I needed to do accomplished and ready, glad to be here with you fine people. Yeah, someday we'll talk about stunt drivers in the movies. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll talk to a few stunt people and go, why the heck do you keep crashing your car? Why do you go to DMVs at 8 a.m.? It's like, because it's fun. Yes. <laughs> And what, it, and what it takes. But today we are talking about the light side. We uh, For the last two weeks, we have also been talking about the dark side and some of the scams that have been happening from Hollywood to machinima to uh, also everything from uh, behind the scenes as well as in front of the scenes. Well, today we're about to talk about some of the uh, actual uh, sides of being legit in this industry. And what does it mean uh, to have somebody legit? And know that the deal's for real. And so let's start with uh, everyone um, asking. So we've all had a dark, uh, the dark side experience. So tell us a little bit about the light side experience. When, uh, when the first person that you got that was, you just knew that they were the one. They were the legit person. The real deal. Wow. Well, um. Hmm. Um, this is AJ. I'll go first. And um, I mean, I've worked with a lot of legit people, a lot of legit casting directors, managers, agents. I would say for me, back when I started, I had met uh, a couple of commercial agents back in the day where you did mass mailings. You know, you sent out hundreds and hundreds of headshots in the mail and hoped that somebody would bite. And that's changed, of course, now, but thanks, thank God for technology. So you don't really have to do those things anymore the way you used to. But I did back then. And I, uh, the company, actually, the agency no longer exists. It actually closed down many years ago. But before it closed down, I met a couple of commercial agents there. And the agent that I was scheduled to meet introduced me to everybody in, in the commercial department, all the other agents. And he eventually left the business. He became a photographer. But one of the other agents remembered me and kept my information. And when he moved to, he and a bunch of the other agents moved to this other new big agency, he kept my information. And, and I uh, stayed in contact with him and let him know what kind of work I was doing. And eventually he started sending me out. And uh, then another agency started sending me out. They both free, I was freelancing with both uh, two big commercial agencies. And then eventually the one that I'm with signed me. And I've been with them ever since. It's got to be over eight years now. Fantastic. Nice. That's great, yes. And Olaf uh, as well? When did like you know what? with the first real deal? Um, hmm. 
wow, that goes back a ways. <laughs> it's like a, uh, it's like a, probably uh, in some of the first machinimas that I was in uh, that I knew I was working with somebody legit. I guess well, that would be uh, Susie. Susie, you was when I started working with her and uh, and AJ because um, uh, that that would be my first uh, legitimate work that I did and that was that came out of uh, Second Life uh, was doing that and that's where that's kind of where my career uh, started out at is in in the machinima and, and the voiceover work in there and the uh, puppeteering and then uh, Kente snatched me <laughs> and uh, has has uh, you know got me locked in doing all these different uh talk shows so against his will <laughs> it's like and, and it's so uh, say so the uh the, the machine was that's where i that's where i started at and then the second legit was uh kente very cool and rick and Daniel. so when when was it the real deal that the first time you saw it hmm. i think uh mine would probably be images agency mm-hmm Go on. I, had a lot of, I had a lot of help with Rick on that one, actually. But, I mean, it, it, uh, this is my first agency that, that I even signed with. And actually, I was very surprised on how fast it took me. But they kept on saying I had the facial uh, features for uh, someone that, was, that they were looking for for Hollywood. And so... Uh, it was actually a really great experience, even though it happened about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't know. I think uh, the movie "What Did She Say" trailer, because actually, yeah. I did, I worked on that one first before I even got with Images Agency. And uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I probably say it was my first legit job I had. I mean, I trust the director, and you know, and I had a lot of great time doing it. Yeah, it's like, and that's always superly important to make sure that you're having a fantastic time doing it. And Rick, what about you? What was the well, first one that was like for real that you were sitting there going, "Oh my gosh, this is the real deal." Uh, the real deal in broadcasting or entertainment Both. or film or well, my um, my first in broadcasting as a graduate from Columbia School of Broadcasting out of the L.A. area, but uh, a sub-office in Kansas City, Missouri. I started doing play-by-play, football, baseball, and ended up with uh, WDAF uh, Radio TV in Kansas City, where I lived uh, in a suburb. Uh, That was the first real deal. I ended up with Hawk O'Clock Report, where I did sports, and um, that was uh, the very first. I did it... uh, Finally got on into the uh, disc jockey work, you could say, broadcast announcing, doing commercials, uh, ending up in Tucson, uh, number one country music music station, uh, K-Cub, and and on down the line, built a meeting different personalities in the entertainment industry, uh, offered uh, to be a, well, I was with a radio station that went to the Tucson Rodeo and uh, offered to be part of the crowd of the thousand. To pick me out in the crowd was one thing, but that was my first film. And then in the background, as a background performer at a local 
bar uh, there in Tucson where part of that movie was filmed. I started booking entertainment, opened my own agency, and started working with models, talent, uh, bands, what have you, booking uh, national talent like Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, The Romantics, the first time in Kansas City, first world tour. So that's built up to finally, like I say, reading for the movies uh, and uh, getting chances to be in movies, but my basic radio career, disc jockey work in lounges, being a consultant, doing voiceover work, doing commercials, all came together. About three years ago. Well, that never came to fruition, but um, that's what started it all with Walt Disney Studios. I was approached to meet Walt Disney around people um, all in the arts and entertainment industry so I kind of always was around people who were like the real deal you know what I mean so mm -hmm. it wasn't like a, a, a rare occurrence to be around people who you know worked in the industry and whatnot so I would have to say as a small child I was just always around people who were in filmmaking um, in, in art uh, so, um, I, I just give you an example of someone, um, a good friend of the family, uh, her name is, uh, Teddy Stewart. 
um, she's worked a lot in Hollywood, and she was a a, a casting agent. For Steve Harvey show. Uh, um, what is the other one? Oh, uh, uh, the um, uh, the one with uh, Brandy. That show um, in the park. Oh, Moesha. Yeah, there you go. That that show and all of that and stuff like that. So um, I've always been around and you know people who were you know real deal serious people who worked in the industry and and I had opportunities. know scoring 50 or whatever it's a, it's a pretty amazing yeah yeah that would be amazing to see it's a gift yeah yeah, yeah it's not easy work either no mm-hmm. definitely not and uh, like i was and so it brings us forth also by the way we do have a call-in number today in case anybody is interested in calling in and asking the fifty thousand dollar questions or the fifty million dollar questions the area code is 323-522-4601 so you can call in again it's 323-522-4601 so So if i have a so if i have a question i should call that number yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. I got a phone yeah. right next to me. So. But uh, but then you have to answer your own question. Ah. Okay. Unless uh, unless it's one that can't be answered by uh, by you, and then it's like you can still answer uh, ask that question too. <laughs> okay. okay. And, and we're taking in is uh, we're taking in callers, so like I said, don't be afraid to call in and ask your favorite question on this. So let's get to the meat and bones also of this. When you're uh, when you're approached by an agent, let's talk about that. What are some of the key legitimate signs of a legit person? A legit well, a, a, from an actor's point of view, from a machinima point of view, from a financier uh, and filmmaker point of view. Let's take it from all of our angles. Okay, this is AJ. I'll go from the actor's point of view, at least here in New York. And I've mentioned it on the last podcast. You know, LA is a little bit different than than New York. Mm-hmm. You really need representation in LA. You can you can do it without representation, but it's really rough. New York, you can you can work without representation.
company that has with them or do or or, or or is it a place that you've just kind of heard through the grapevine good or bad that's the first sign have you heard of them before and if not then the next question is who has heard of it before and then that's when you start asking questions the the, the cool thing about being an actor is that you tend to know other actors or you should be getting to know other actors and we share information and so you can go on Facebook you know now which didn't exist when I started can go on Facebook you can you can their clients that's that's the first thing you look for legitimacy and length of time of existence uh, and then reputation based on people other people in the industry the best way to also, the best way to find out is if you have a relationship with casting directors, ask them, you know, um, who do you think is a good agency to maybe connect, try to connect with? Because casting directors work with agents all the time. So whom, whom better than a, uh, than a casting director? If, if you have a relationship with them, don't just approach somebody you don't know and ask them, hey, can you recommend somebody to me? That's tacky. But if you have a relationship with a casting director already, which you should before you go to meet an agent, by the way. Um, if you already have relationships with casting directors who you know and trust and who know and trust you, then go to them. That, that sh You should have enough um, of a good relationship, enough affinity to be able to say, hey, hey, uh, Janet, can you recommend a good commercial agent or a good legit agent? I'm starting to look for representation or a good manager. That's the thing. Go industry who use these people who work with these people I would say that is always the best way to go and what would you say within that also okay so you're in the office with the agent it's like right. and what is the things that you're really going to want to know to know that they are legit well like I said you should already have done your homework you should know they're legit before you walk in the door okay if you don't know if they're legit before you walk in the door you haven't done your work as an actor you should know before you mm -hmm. sit down. So once you've walked in the door, you've done this already. You know they're legit, and that's why you walk through the door. So when you sit down with this agent, you know, it's about relationships. It's all about relationships. And some people get you, and some people don't. That's just the way that it is. It's like kind of like dating. <laughs> so you're, you're kind of dating when you're meeting with agents. You're, you're finding that right connection, that right mix. You want to know that they get you. They get your personality. They get they know what kind of work you're, you're, you would be good at. They, 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 understand, they have an understanding of where your career is at and where it could go. And they have space for you. In other words, like my agent, my legit agent is a very small legit agency. And I wanted to bring in a friend of mine who is very close to my quote-unquote type. Mm -hmm. And literally, my agent said, I already have you. I really don't need anybody else. Now, that's not always going to happen if you're with a bigger agency or an agency who's trying to create a pool of, of talent. They may not feel that way. But do, is, are you someone that they're looking for because they're missing somebody like you in their roster, whether by look, by personality, by ability, by skill set? Are you somebody that they need? Because if you're somebody that they need, they're going to work harder to get you auditions mm -hmm. because it's a business. It's all about the money. I'm sorry, folks. It just is. That's just the way it is. Accept it or get out. 
um, it is a business and they have every right to treat it that way. So you're a commodity and you want to make sure that you are connecting with an agent that finds you, that, that is excited about working with you. And if you find somebody that gets you, that you feel comfortable with as well, and it just seems like it's going to work out, I say absolutely, you know, if you can, I always try to freelance. I always say, well, if you can, freelance first. But if it's try it out and see how it works, if you like it, because For signing with agencies. Now, a good example is Nathaniel Lee, who's on the panel. Uh, as an old talent agent, O-L-E spell, <laughs> I've always still kept in my blood looking for new talent. I've had like six finds in the state of Missouri in this area to include Nathaniel Lee, and all of them I have done good. Uh, some in newsprint, I mean in print, magazine print, uh, hairstyle, uh, a male, uh, modeling, what have you, and I've always directed them to then images agency. But what I like to start people off with in, the, in this day and age, since there's an internet, there's certain uh, websites you can get on, and I'll plug stage32.com. There's multitudes of people worldwide there, and there's people like myself looking to be mentors to you you people who are looking to get into the business, modeling, broadcasting, voiceover work, uh, film, what have you. Well, I believe that if you you can get close to be friends in a sense, as a colleague, what have you, uh, as mentor. If you can find maybe five good mentors, and out of that one mentor group that you keep in touch with uh, on, a, on a daily basis or week basis, one of those should be able to say, yes, I'd like to recommend an agency that would book you tomorrow. So that gives you at least one to work with. So I've introduced nat naturally all my finds here in Missouri since I retired, including Nathaniel, to Images Agency. We've been before Michael Goldberg and some of the, the top uh, people. Um, so it, uh, it's always worked for us. So I believe mentoring, if you can find a mentor, maybe like myself, as an example, only because I've been around the business. And you'll find these older people on stage 32 and around that you could trust and then find, and uh, then recommend, they can recommend agencies to you that then you know that when you take that step to an agency then you can talk uh, freelance. Uh, oh, another thing on freelance. Personally, I believe in freelancing to a certain degree until you're making so much money you cannot keep track of yourself, then you hire that agency and pay a fee. In the meantime, I'm registered with um, a, a 
an agency in, uh, in Kansas City, Missouri, one in St. Louis, half hours to the I started with actually um, Barbizon in Tucson in 1983. So still I have that link. So if you can link in these different areas, you basically freelance yourself. But then again, as AJ said, do not mix them up because most of them are working the same, uh, the same um, projects that come to them. Uh, so you have to kind of juggle that a little bit, making sure you don't step on any toes. And most of these agencies will uh, work with you in the sense of, well, yes, if you want to go to Kansas City on that, since they got a hold of you first, no problem. As long as you don't come and try to sign with a, a dual agency or a triple agency in St. Louis, please give us an exclusive. This is what they asked for. So I've got an exclusive in, in St. Louis, an exclusive in Kansas City, an exclusive in Tucson, so forth. So, but that, again, with me, it came from two mentors out in Arizona when I first started. And that's where it all began before I found a really good legitimate agency at that time for modeling and voiceover work, etc. with Marbizon. So that's, I think that's the first thing for you new people you can find just someone you trust that can guide you in the right direction. Um, and that knows about the business. Absolutely. Uh, there's one thing you said, Jay Rick, that I want to, or Rick Jay, I should say, that I just want to correct because um, I, I don't want people to get confused. You do not pay a fee to an agent. Legit. Does not, you can never pay a fee. What happens is, is that if you work with a, an agent, whether you're signed or whether you're freelance, they only get paid 10% of what you book. That is it. They never get anything else besides that. If an agent asks you to pay some kind of fee up front to be with them, that's not a legitimate talent agent. And I, I can guarantee SAG-AFTRA is not going to be working with them. Then forget that person that wants to wants to ask you a fee to get on the phone or on the computer and look for your work. They don't. You're a commodity. You're marketable, and it's up to them to find you work. And then when the contract's on the table in front of you, then you know you're talking money. But they ask for a dime before that. They're not legit. Tell them to go someplace else. You'll find someone that will work with you. And when the money's on the table. Is that that's where you're coming from, correct, AJ? Yep, that's correct. There you go. And let's make that clear, folks. Yes. Also, with uh, the acting agencies and modeling agencies, um, what is it that they're going to require from you? Require? Well, um, I mean, there's a couple of things that they're going to be looking for. First of all, and I always tell actors this, talent is the last thing on the list you need. It, you need it, but it's the last thing on the list that you need. Um, so... But one of the things that you have to be is flexible. And what I mean by flexible is flexible of mind, flexible of schedule. Flexible of schedule means you have to be
this also, AJ, with regards to that, it's the when they hear what casting directors know you, they can also tell what kind of caliber have you been working with as yes well? Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, and what I mean by that is this. If the only casting directors you work with are only, only do background, mm-hmm. well, that means you've only done background work. And there's nothing wrong with background work uh, to start. Nothing wrong at all. No. Um, however, again, thinking from a business point of view, they're, they're, it's going to make their job a lot harder if they have to now explain to a to to a casting director um, who you are and why that casting director should take the risk of re- Professional means a lot more. If even if you just m- met people in classes and workshops and stayed in contact with them, and you saw them every few months so that they could get to know you and know your work, even that will go a long way to a talent agent to go, huh? Okay, you're serious about this. That's what I mean. Why? Why? Yes and no. And definitely taking a course is always a good idea. And in regards to that, and it's like always honing in your craft and taking in. As many legitimate courses, and again, we're going to stress the words legitimate courses. Right. I was in acting class today. I've been studying with my acting teacher, who's a very well-known acting teacher and coach here in New York. I've, I've been studying with him for over 10 years. I, right before I was on this call, I was in class. And I still go to class because it's a skill you have to constantly work on. You don't have to be in class all the time, all year round, but it's a, it's a muscle you have to keep working just like you go to the gym. It's important to have that muscle. Mm -hmm. As a new uh, young man in the field, Nathaniel Lee, um, you might have questions that I have not answered along the way. So this might be a great time for the listeners to also hear your questions as a young actor just getting into the field, doing your first film, and quite a few auditions now for major talent agencies to agency that opportunity to actually meet you might <laughs> if you don't that's okay one will come up as we talk yeah yep. well, well actually uh there is a. How much do you think a training course for acting should cost? Okay, that's a very good question, actually. Because, and the reason it's a very good question is I used to work at an acting school here in New York, and I think I might have mentioned that people used to call and were begrudgingly upset that they had to pay. They didn't understand why an acting class was free, was not free which I thought was absolutely ludicrous because what in the United States past high school, what schooling do you get that's free? Um, none. So why should acting be any different? Exactly. In, terms of, in terms of cost, it, you know, 
people can charge whatever they want. I mean, basically, I mean, that's up to them. However, I think it depends on a couple of things. You can pay nothing. You can get someone who's doing a free class because they want to, they enjoy it, or because they're trying to gain, um, uh, they, they want to practice being a teacher, they want to gain people who, who like them so that eventually they will pay for class. And you can pay up into the hundreds and hundreds uh, of, of, of dollars. My, my teacher's pretty expensive. But, again, it, you know, I don't want to say that... You get what you pay for? Yes and no, because again, there, there are so many reasons why someone charges a price that they charge. So it's more of a, you know, the scams that we talked about, and that's why I want to tell people, you know, something that's, you know, for a day and you pay $3,000 and you get a day of getting in front of people is not a class. No. So no. if you're in a class, it's going to be one of two things. It's going to be either for a few days, a few weeks. It's going to be something that has a, some kind of continued some kind of momentum to it. Workshops are different. Workshops are relatively inexpensive and you just get to meet somebody um, for, for a short amount of time. Um, and those are, those are much cheaper and they serve their purpose as well. But in terms of a class, I would say anything from, honestly, anything from zero to $600 is, you know, um, or more, a little more, you're going to find. It also depends on where you are. You're going to pay more in New York or in L.A. than you might pay in another state because it's the, the cost of living and, and the rents are higher here. So it, it costs them more to rent a space, all those things. So, you know, what does the class provide? How long is it for? Does the person who's teaching it have any kind of, of reputation um, and experience that you can look up and make sure that they're not only legitimate, but seem, people seem to have gotten a lot out of it, and then go from there. And then all, and this is the most important thing, trust your gut. If your gut says, I, I don't know about this, it's probably right. Right. Well, it's like I've, I've gone to college for theater arts. Right. But it's like additional, you know, classes, say, through a school of teaching, they would want, uh, I, I don't remember how much it is anymore, but it was like $9,000 for a year. Well, conservatory, if it's a conservatory, that's a different thing. A conservatory, which is usually a, a very long extended program, usually a year, will cost much more money. But that is a year of intense training constantly, days through the week, um, working on many different things. You're working on Shakespeare and acting and improv mm -hmm. and comedy and sitcoms and, you know, uh, voiceovers. That's a conservatory. That's a program as opposed to a class, which is either for a short period of time or ongoing. So, yes, you can pay it up into the thousands for a conservatory. Absolutely. Okay. I just didn't know if that sounded like outrageous or it's because I, I, I really didn't know what kind of training, what kind of programs they were doing. But it just seemed to me about $9,000. That's a little of, high even for New York. Um, there are conservatories here that don't cost that much. Uh, I would I would be remiss for something that costs almost $10,000 um, unless it was a four-year program or a two-year program. A two-year program, I might go, okay, maybe. But do your research. Research is your friend. Google is your friend. What are other conservatories charging in your state and in other states? Well, true. It's like I got a scholarship to it that paid for half of it. 
Which I guess, you know, I should have taken up that offer, but... Not necessarily. A lot of places offer scholarships because they really want to charge you 5000 True. So they, they give you a scholarship so that you think you're getting a deal. So that's yeah. why, again, I'm saying do your research. In other words, you're in Missouri, right? Exactly. Okay, so check out the places in New York and L.A. and see what they charge. If it's the same or more, why is that? <laughs> it, should it should be less. It should be less. I would rather go to New York or, say, California to get my training done if it's even cheaper to go there. Yeah, exactly. Do your research. Also, who is teaching the course? Who, exactly. What is their background right. in regards to it? Because it's like if they are not a legit, if they have zero credits to their name, all that the, they are doing is lecturing, um, then I would be weary of paying any sort of money to that kind of course. Absolutely. Oh, I, I will not say the name of the school, but they do have like a lot of credits. I I don't know how many, but they've been around since like nineteen twenties. But you okay. check out. But that does that means nothing. Exactly. The, because they've been around for a long time just means they've been get they either are legitimate or they've been getting away with it for that long. So so don't go by that and don't go by the credits. Always go to Google and see what other people have said. Like looking at reviews. I don't mean on their website. I mean go to Google, put in the name of the school and either the word scam or, or reviews and see what other people have posted in other places in the metaverse. Not the metaverse. I'm still in Second Life thinking. In, 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 in the inter, on the internet and have said anything about it. Also, another thing that can also help you is if you find somebody who has actually been through that program to ask them what was their experience through exactly. that program. It's like that's why again Google being your friend. If you can find somebody on there and get their, uh, it's like Google, Facebooking, anything that uh, anybody even on stage thirty-two, even on LinkedIn. A lot of times people are like, "Have you worked with this company before? What has been your experiences with them?" And you'll be amazed of how much information you're going to get back because some people will go, whoa, 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 uh, stay away. This is what the experience has been for me. Or they'll be like, oh, yeah, this was like absolutely freaking amazing. If you get the opportunity to do it, absolutely do it. Right. And Olaf, what about you with the machinima world? What should we be looking for? The camera. <laughs> beyond the beyond the scope of the camera. One. That was a good one. <laughs> so, in other words, if they don't have a machine cam, do you just still work with them? Yeah, it's like if they don't have a camera, it's hard to work with them. So yeah, or if they're but, using fraps versus <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that's uh, in other words, you find out in other words, if find out like what kind of a you know what what the, what do they have as a setup for record or for. Um, uh, filming, you know, uh, what kind of, you know, if they're using, like you say, if they're using fraps, you know, they're probably, uh, it, it could be, they're, they're just getting started and they haven't really gotten into it too much yet. So, um, but I don't know. I mean, you can, uh, with the machinima, it's like, uh, you can get, uh, you, you, even though they might not be using like, you know, uh, Adobe or something like that, or uh, Premiere uh, software. In other words, you can still do some pretty decent stuff with uh, with the uh, with the uh, 
oh, like the, the cheaper, programs, fra- cheap, cheap, cheaper programs. You know, yeah, I, I used a cheaper uh, program than, than Adobe Premiere, and, um, and, it, and it's not as good, but it works. Wait a right, minute. I, I, I thought, well, I thought like you guys were me, using Fraps. Uh, I thought you guys were using Fraps. Um, I actually don't use Fraps. Um, I use another program. Oh, wow. um, I, I will start using Fraps, but I'm probably going to get the legitimate version of it. The full, not yeah, the, the forty dollar. Yeah, the forty dollar. Yeah, I'm going to pay for the full version so I get the full benefits of it because the program I'm using is kind of crappy, but it but I'm really good. But I'm probably uh, doing doing. Uh, I record. I use Audacity to record like the voiceover tracks. Audacity is free, uh, but. Uh, it's it's, and a, it's free, a good program. Uh, yeah, and, I'm and, using it right you know, now to can, record the you show. You can spend a couple. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like you know, Audacity is free, and uh, it, it, it there's a lot of bang for the buck for for being free. There's a lot of things you can do with uh with the uh with Audacity being a free program that you know you'd have to pay three or four hundred dollars for, or uh, you know anywhere from two hundred to five hundred dollars for. Uh, Oh, what is the one? I can't think of it. It, it, um, it just jumped out of my head. I don't know what it was. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> oh, Avid? Uh, yeah, one of that. Oh, one Pro Tools. Pro Tools, yeah, that's it. Pro, Pro Tools. Tools. Yeah, the one that they just released a very limited free version of. I mean, right. Pro Tools. Pro yeah. Tools, it's like, it can get up. It's like Pro Tools can actually get up as, you know, eight or $900, I think. I mean, it gets wow. it gets kind of pricey. But, but, but uh, when you're the captain, you know, though, you know, I've, when you're the captain, right? What's the price, right? Yeah, that's right. It's like, yeah, well, it's like with the captain. It's like I go, I go with what works best. And, uh, exactly. Uh, and if whether, it works for you. Yeah, if it works for me, and I can get the results, uh, I have a little different outlook on things. And it doesn't matter how you get from A to B, as long as the results, uh, as long as you get the results you want. And the results are good. Doesn't matter how you get there, whether you're using a thousand-dollar program or a free program. Uh, you know, if you can get the quality that you need, uh, then use what uh, works best for you. Yeah, use what is available. Yeah. Also, yeah. writing program, same thing. You don't have to have Final Draft. Now there's Celtics, um, yep. which doesn't cost that much. And there's some other ones now wait, online wait. that are fantastic. The Magic Screenwriter. I, I yep. thought, wait, Celtics is free, isn't it? That's what I, I, I've there's never paid for it. But you can also pay and get the full full version, which has a lot of great stuff. So I've paid oh, for Celtics okay. because I can also use it on my iPad, okay. which is great. So I can write on my iPad as well. And But there's some other. And then, then it's like also with like this uh, Excel. Uh, if you go to what is it? 
oh, uh, oh, I haven't used it so I haven't used it in a while. But uh, there's a free version of like the Excel and all that stuff. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. open, yeah uh, uh, works open, Microsoft Works or yep. Well, uh, no, the the, the, uh, the open, other one. open Office. That's open Office, yes, right. Open Office, that's what it is. Open Office. Yeah, which Open is, Office is great. And now you can do it with Google too. Google Docs, you can do a spreadsheet yep. on Google Docs. Right. So there's oh, thing. there's free there's free things out there that you can get that work really well because in other words, uh, Open Office is the open source for Microsoft Office. So right. you get all the you know the PowerPoint, the Excel, and all that stuff. It's all Microsoft in there. Word, yep. Uh, all that's in there. So if somebody sends you a, a, a Word document, uh, you can have Open Office. And you can open it and read it and edit it and do what you need to do with it and send it back to them. Or, or, uh, so, like I said, the free stuff works. Sometimes the free stuff works just as well as the uh, high-dollar stuff. Yep. Yeah. Also, uh, with uh, Microsoft Excel, it's like if uh, you're attending any college, uh, it's like for me, I get uh, the Microsoft uh, Office 360 or 365 or something like that. Uh, professional series, I get that free from just That's attending right, college. That's right, yeah. first, absolutely. Yeah, if you're enrolled in classes. Yeah, yep. use that to your advantage, guys, if you're in college. And yep. a lot yep. of programs, it's like they'll uh, they'll gift it to you, a student version of it. It's like if you are in colleges, universities, absolutely. <coughs> One of the things I also wanted to ask, though, also Olaf, um, is uh, well and... Uh, Evagene and everybody, it's like, okay, so with the voice, uh, with the machinima community, it's like you are offered a job. How do you know that it is a legit job? When you say a job, what do you mean? Like, okay, we want you to do a music, uh, a voiceover for us. We want you to do an, uh, an acting gig, be in our machinima project. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'll, I'll talk about real life as opposed to machinima. Yes. Because um, machinima is very different because that's a virtual Correct. world and everything like that. Um, if, if you're working with representation, if you have a manager or a, or, a, or a talent agent who is legit, I mean, and what I mean by legit is they're, they are franchised, they are set, they're recognized by SAG-AFTRA or, or, or ACTRA in Canada or some other union or, or the, the, they're well-known and respected, you can pretty much depend on the fact that 99.9% of the time, anything they send you out is going to be legitimate. Because I, that's their job. Right. It's like, now, I get it's like in, in the machinima in Second Life. Um, there's this one particular uh, production company that sends me, the, uh, they want me to do stuff for them. And I'm not sure if they're legit or not. Uh, it's, it's called Virtual Girl Productions. <laughs> Which is my production company. Oh, wait, that's right. That is yours. <laughs> that's right. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I'm legit. I'm the real thing. So, so he's worked with me. But in real life, in real life, um, if you're doing it on your own, if you don't have a manager or an agent or you're, or you're, or you're not signed with them or it's somebody you're just with for the first time, again, due diligence as best as you can. I mean, you may not know about the project. Now, if it's a very well-known project, let's say you're in Massachusetts and they're doing um, TED 2, which was being shot there. The first one was being shot there and the second one was being shot there. You probably have heard of it by that time. So, you know, okay, it's for TED 2. That, that, that's a good sign. Is the place that's submitting me or the person submitting me legitimate? That's a good sign. 
if it's not a project that you know about, uh, um, go to IMDb, go to Google and put in the name and see if it comes up anywhere. You know, it may be something that's very independent and it and it does it's not going to show up. So again, you have to you have to become a detective. You really do. Yep. And so you can you can figure out a lot by the breakdowns. You can figure out a lot a lot at the audition if something is legitimate or not. Right. You really can. Right. And, and a lot of people do submit through breakdown services. Exactly. If you're on Actors Access, that's pretty much you know it's, I wouldn't say it's vetted, but 99.9 percent of the time it's going to be legitimate. But there are a few things on Actors Access that I've seen. And I'm like, what is this? You know. So again, use your brain. Um, if you're on Castingabout.com, which is a great website, Castingabout.com tells mm-hmm. you about the current projects in New York and LA, and it'll tell you for television, for film, and who's casting it and what the status of it is so you can use castingabout.com as well as well as something um, as well as Google as well as IMDB as well as Actors Access and see hmm, is this something that is out there and about that I can actually locate and find out is actually a project that's being done but at the worst if you audition as long as you're not spending a crazy amount of money to get to the audition it, fine go ahead and audition of course you know be careful you'll know when you get there and you read the sides and and the environment, you'll know if it's something's not right. And if something doesn't seem right to you, don't do it. Even the audition. Trust your gut. Trust your gut. Right. Very much so. And for those who are uh, are in the filmmaker side, one of the things I can suggest also for actors, filmmakers, etc., I would say also things like Without a Box is also a very good one. Yes. Um, and also attending the American Film Market for those who are filmmakers because the seminars that they give on there and the panelists that they give they are uh, they are industry people in the field who are giving you this information they are not uh, they are not just fly by night people you will understand a lot more also about the rooms about how does film work and latest trends who uh, who is in on deals who's not in on deals another thing that you want to do is you want to interview Find out uh, from the – it's like if you are going to somebody, like, in terms of that, you might want to look at mentors like casting agent mentors. Um, you might want to look uh, – you might want to actually look at various uh, things with that. And one, like I said, the AFM, the American Film Market, is a really great place for filmmakers. And another thing that you can also do um, with financiers in the film industry, the one thing that you have to know is that um, they're very transparent. You can tell what projects that they've been on. They're not going to tell you how much that they've put in, but a legitimate financier will make their uh, will make themselves quite apparent and, and transparent of what the, uh, they have done. They do, uh, they usually have their names in the credits uh, with regards to it if they are a large financier. But another thing that you can have is uh, in the, when you are in there to realize that as well, um, if you're a distributor, if they're a legitimate distributor, find out what movies they've distributed. Where have these movies gone? Who is, uh, who's actually bought them from them? Who has been their foreign distributor that they've uh, worked with? When you work with sales agents, find out what movies that they've sold and to whom and how many uh, films do they have at one time under their titles and under their companies. Um, another thing that you want to also look at is 
when you're talking to a potential financier or talking to a potential distributor or sales agent, ask the questions in regards to who have you worked with, what relationships have you built. Don't take a face. is actually, you know, finding people who are in the business, start going to places like the film festivals, start looking in there. There, Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people who it's like that they will steer you wrong and that there aren't a lot of wannabes there in regards to it. But start asking about mentors. Start looking for interview information on various people. If you want to work with someone, um, start getting to know your network. Right. And to great idea.
This is my first <laughs> found me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give Rick J props, everybody. <laughs> and thank you, there, Nathaniel. I <laughs> work hard for you. <laughs> it was um it was other actors who were already in the business who I would see at auditions and you know, again, it's it's just natural networking and they talk to you they tell you things they tell you how things work and you just find out through that those experiences um how things actually actually work in the business so for the actors a, a career coach in in california's Dallas Travers. I love Dallas. Amy Jo Berman is great. She's in California. There, there are people out there who, um, if you're, if you want to learn from, um, you can learn from. You can definitely learn from. Can help you, kind of understand the business of the business very well. But nothing beats somebody who's already doing it. Exactly. on the set. It's not a good time. Brain <laughs> about that. That's not a good time. And I've had she had to had that happen. But um but I understand why people they you're right there and they want to ask you. But but definitely ask because you know everybody wishes they knew now what they knew knew then what they know now. So if you if I can help and I'm sure everybody else feels this way if they can impart some information to make your journey easier, people want to help. Right. Absolutely yeah, the old saying, if I'd, known, if I'd have known then what I know now, I wouldn't have done what I did. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess I could say that uh, my dinner was time. Uh, I used those two to ask so many questions. So I guess in a sense, indirectly, they became my mentors because I still use a lot of skills. A lot of things that they taught me within that time was to sit down for dinner uh, both evenings. So I guess I can say they were mentors in a sense to me. But uh, in radio broadcasting, one out of Kansas City, Phil J, WHB, uh, that I started around 13 years old, that really got me interested in the broadcasting end. And then high school, naturally, high school uh, plays, uh, junior high plays, as far as the acting ability and stuff. So. It's uh, interesting uh, that uh, each one has their own mentors, indirectly or directly, I guess. Right. Well, I guess, there's, for me, I guess, uh, for the machinima, uh, it's like one of my, it's like one, one mentor to me. Uh, well, actually, there, there, there's, there's three when I first started out, or two, two, yeah, three when I first started out. Uh, uh, Susie, you. And uh, and her husband knew, and the other one is uh, AJ, because when I first started out in Machinima, in other words, I started working with uh, Susie's Supercast crew, uh, doing projects with her, and you know I learned a lot uh, of things then, and if I had questions, uh, it was either I would either 
talked to Susie. Well, I've talked to Susie and I would talk to AJ both. And so I guess for Machinima, uh, those three were, uh, my, were my, my mentors, mentors and still are. Wow. They, st- they still, they still like me, I think. Huh. Uh, and, uh, uh, and I guess for me, for the, uh, radio side of, of my career, uh, I would have to say Kente cause he brought me in and he won't let go. <laughs> you try and try and try. It's like, <laughs> Olaf, can you define for the listeners who don't understand the, the term machinima? Could you explain that? I think that's a term that you hear once in a while, but it has to come from a person like you or Kente to really understand it. So maybe you want to set up with people that, that have no clue. <laughs> well, uh, machinima is uh, when you make a film inside a, your, in other words, your, your, your um, platform is like a virtual world or a uh, game. Uh, in other words, it's, it's, uh, you know, they make machinimas in the, it's like in Second Life. Uh, there's also other virtual worlds that they, I think they've done some filming in, but it's usually Second Life is most of where it comes from. Uh, and, uh, like the Halo games and stuff like that, these people that do, uh, they'll make little movies in there. Uh, is that, that's pretty much, it's, it's a, it's a, movie that is filmed inside of a uh, game platform mm. is that is that pretty it's like the, the you the it's like uh, uh, you, AJ you agree it's like that pretty well sums it up uh, is that the simple is that the simple answer or, or yeah or, okay. I, I totally agree yeah like that's so, so it's anything anything is shot inside of a game platform. Right. World of Warcraft, Second Life, yeah, Halo, you know, Halo. It's like a Call of Duty. Any of any of the video games or any of the virtual worlds. Uh, that's that's where Machinima term comes from. Okay, great. That's good to know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like I said, so let's go uh, also through the panel in regards to. So we're uh, so you're new to the acting industry. We're, uh, who are your best leads to be able to find the uh, the people who you want to know? Uh, you are. Oh, you you are your best resource. And what I mean by that is, and I know that sounds like, oh, what does that mean? And I, I know people get frustrated by that, but but you really are. You are your best friend. You are your best advocate. You are your best agent. You are your best casting director. You are your best. You are your best everything. So your job is to get to know as much as you possibly can, and that means learning the craft, your skill set, um, and then starting to, to meet people and things like that. You know, go to like I said, go to Actors Access, read backstage. Um, if you can, you know, get the free news. You don't have to buy the Hollywood Reporter, but you can get a free newsletter from them, and they give you kind of blurbs of what's happening in the industry. Start learning about your industry. Go to castingabout.com. Check out IMDb. Start Googling things. Start talking to other actors who are already doing it. Um, start to, you know, go, go, go find coaches who online who, who uh, help actors' careers if you want to do that eventually. But learn your 
the business as best as you can, become your best advocate. That's the best thing you can do when you're a beginner. But always be be ready. Don't go and get headshots right away. I always tell people they want to get headshots. I'm like, you haven't even had a, a class yet. You know, you wouldn't do that in any other industry. So go take a class. See if you really like it. You may not like it when you realize how hard it actually is to do. By the way, everybody thinks, a lot of people think it's easy. So go take a beginning acting class. Go take an improv class. Go see what it's like. Don't take an on-camera course or a scene study course. Go take a basic beginning acting class or an improv class and see if you have the passion for it. Start with that. And then if you do, learn your craft. You don't have to spend years and years. You don't have to get a four-year degree. You don't have to get an MFA. But you need to have some, you have to work on your skills. And then once you've worked on your skills and you start to feel comfortable with that, then you see about getting your headshots and your resume together. And then you see about starting to meet some of the cast and directors who are hopefully available and in your area that you can meet. And then after you, you know, then look for work. Look on Actors Access. Look on and backstage. Look online. You know, there are there. There's so many resources. Look on LinkedIn. Look on Stage 32. The internet, I mean, changed everything. Everything is much smaller and faster now, and you don't have to be in New York and LA anymore. You know, stuff that's related to voiceover work, um, because just like in any any other job, the more you know about what you're doing, it's like whatever you do for work, the more you know about your job, the better chances you are to get uh, have advancement or to have you know success in what you're doing. So you know, not as saying is knowledge is power. Yeah. Um, I just had a, uh, J, uh, Rick J just said um, to ask me to explain IMDb to the listener. Um, IMDb is the Internet Movie Database, and there's IMDb and IMDb Pro. If you're not a working actor with film and TV credits, um, don't worry about IMDb, and don't worry about IMDb Pro, which is the paid version. But what happens is is that a lot of people will use IMDb if they're looking for people for film and television to see what's been done. It is not a Bible of sorts. What it is, it's just a resource. Now, a lot of people will go to it as their first go-to place to look up an actor um, because it's just easy because not everybody has their own website or they don't know what the website is. So they say, well, let me go check out their IMDb page. And there are a lot of people out there who are like, oh, I can help you get your IMDb Pro rating up higher and you can get more stars and all that. Don't even worry about that. That's so not important. But if you do start to get some legitimate film and TV roles 
um, work, not extra work. It has nothing. You, extra work does not count. This means speaking roles. It goes on IMDb. Now, if you are starting out, you, you, what you may want to do is, unless you're like me and you have a very unusual name where you don't have to worry about anybody else having the same name, um, if you have a very uh, common name, then if you're going to be an actor, there's nothing wrong with getting your uh, starting your IMDb page so that you have it and you, you have access to it so that as you get credits, then they can start being added to IMDb. You can add your credits yourself. Sometimes they're added for you. Um, so, and it can be very hard sometimes to get your credits on IMDb because you have oh, to submit it. Oh, tell me it. about it. Yeah, you have to submit it, and then they have to check it out, and and then they have to approve it, and sometimes you'll do it over and over, and they still won't do it. So it's not the most accurate, it's not the most uh, proper way, but a lot of people do use it as a resource. So if you do have speaking roles on TV or film, you do want to have an IMDb page. And as you do more and more work, you do want, and again, as your career starts getting bigger and your resume starts getting bigger, you do want an IMDb Pro page, which you have to pay for, because then you can put your resume on there, you can put your reels on there. But when you're starting out, you do not need to pay for IMDb Pro. Just get the IMDb page, which is free. Yeah. Great. Yes. Good explanation. Yeah. And uh, the term is A-lister. What do you mean by that, J-Rick? I guess as you build your... um, your uh, not profile exactly, but as you build your uh, talent, as you build your yourself as a reputation, product, a reputation as a marketable person, uh, they do look at people in different categories. A lister being uh, the top, like a lot of times, your if you're an A lister, your your background uh, supplied. Uh, through your uh, um, IMDb, a lot of times I'm, I'm, I'm seeing through the IMDb and your past, your past references, your past credits, what have you, you can sometimes be hired for a movie or a film or a project just as an A-lister right out of the book, you might say. Uh, you might not even have to interview or audition. So if you become an A-lister, you pretty well have sold yourself uh, already to that interested um uh, producer or director, uh, so yes, that's it, the goal. I was p- pointing it out as a goal um, to become an A-lister within the industry, and that could be in broadcasting, voiceover work, personal loft, what have you, as they reach out and look uh, as A-lister, B-lister, C-lister. Well, but 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 IMDb doesn't go by that. They go by your star meter, and your star meter can change from day to day depending on. It's based on how much your name is showing up in the internet. Like, in other words, when I've done certain things, because my name was associated with it in a review um, on, a, on a website who's talking about the movie I'm in or the TV show I'm in, my, my star meter goes up. But yeah. the reality is that means nothing unless you are, you know, and even a George Clooney, he doesn't care about his IMDb star meter rating. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And when people say, oh, you know, I can get it up higher. Don't even waste your time. Waste, not waste your time. Spend your time working on your craft and getting known in the industry to the people who can bring you in the room and help you get work. Don't worry about your star meter on IMDb because in reality it means nothing. But, you know, will somebody go and say, wow, this person's only done two things. This person's done 20 things. And may it make a difference in them who they contact? Absolutely. But that could be the same with them looking at your resume. 
Correct. Good point on that also. Um, don't worry about that star meter. Yes. It's like people on Twitter worrying about wanting to have so many followers or what have you. It's really not that's, that important. That's not important, yes. Uh, the star meter is great. I've got a high reading uh, right now, higher than some of the top actors. But I don't look at that in reality as meaning anything just because my name is appearing. I'm act more active right now. Uh, as life comes back to me, as they call it, uh, over and above other actors that I admire. So I don't, uh, I never let it go to my head. And you know, one, I, I'm working with people and modeling and, uh, in the past and bands and vocalists and entertainers. You get some that their head, I always tell them in the stars. Well, we have learned that all the stars basically will eventually burn out. And the harder you try to work at it, get your head that would be too high. Look out because that's going to burn out. So, just be yourself and 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 uh, do the best you can. Be you know, uh, don't worry about the stardom because they will eventually burn out, become black holes maybe. <laughs> can I? I, I want to add one more thing about um, generating your own projects, um, such as um, you know doing your own uh, your film you know, your own film projects and stuff like that. Um, when it comes to doing that, how, how does, how, if you're trying to be in the industry, how can doing your own projects help you as far as, um, getting seen in the, in the, uh, industry? Uh, I want to ask you just answered your own question mm -hmm. because it gets you seen in the industry because people check out YouTube um, they check out Funny or Die. They check out uh, uh, Vimeo. I mean Vimeo. They yep. they check out these things to look for talent, to look for for projects, to look for something interesting that's different, that's out there already. So absolutely, producing your own work can be a way to go to get seen in the industry and to show people what you can do and a way for have to have something to showcase yourself. Absolutely. And it also helps build street creds because a lot of times it's like they ask you, is this the very first project that you've ever done? And if you you really don't have something behind it, but if you have your own independent work behind it as well as also some work that you've worked on. Um, one of the things I've often said to a lot of people is get in, uh, getting in uh, through the guilds as well and also starting out as a permittee. Yeah. You find out tons of uh, information as a permittee of how the industry works. Exactly. Yeah. So what, is, what is that? Or is it define that the permittee? What is, a permittee uh, production, and or a production assistant uh, okay. work or also uh, being, uh, if you are in the office as well, like one of the office secretaries that are answering the phones, uh, people who work with the production managers, assistants in the industry to people. It's like all of these places are you become a permittee before you can become an associate member and what they do is they allow you to be able to really have an insider's look, be paid while you're actually learning yeah. okay. and take courses within exactly. the industry. There you go. Hey guys, AJ, I have to go. Yep. Um, Thank you so much, great. AJ. For You're welcome. Uh, I hope everybody who's listening yes. got a lot out of it and enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed doing it because I love sharing the information because I know that it's it's a business that is clouded in. It seems like mystery. It there's it, not a lot of information about out there about the business that's easy to find. So whenever we can help people make it a little bit clearer, I think it's always a good thing. So I'm I'm, I'm happy to help. It's been my pleasure on the panel with you, AJ. And Thank you.
Wish you the best. Oh, always a pleasure, AJ. Thank you. Love you, AJ. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Take care now. Everybody out there who's listening, thank you so much. Hasta la vista. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. So going forward on uh, that, thank you very much, AJ. It's like that was amazing information. And it's like I really hope that, as I said, if you have any questions, we still have our phone line open as well as we still have our Facebook page open as well for any uh, questions that you may possibly have for us. But another thing that we wanted to talk about is – in uh, each of the, the worlds, as we know, in the acting world, there are uh, there are training courses. There are training. Uh, there's training also in our machinima world. Would you agree? Mm, oh yeah. Yeah, you yep. have to you have to learn how to. Um, there's acting. Uh, acting for machinima is a whole different set a skill uh, skill set that you need for that as live action uh, acting uh, in other words because in other words with the machina machinima in other words, you're having you have to learn how to make your avatar do what it needs to do at the right time you know with the right gest you know with the right uh, movement and everything so it's a uh, uh, it can be you know, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a gamer, uh, usually it's like a, in other words, a gamer does pretty good with machinima uh, puppeteering because you're used to getting your avatar to move around in different directions and, and do different poses and stuff. So you're kind of already a little bit act. You're kind of acclimated a little bit. You're acclimated to, uh, you know puppeteering an avatar for a machinima. For machinima. Mm-hmm. And also understanding that in, through machinima you also have to be able to emote a lot uh, in a lot more and innovative, I'll say a lot more innovative ways than you do in regards to also acting itself because you have to be able to act through something that's an, in, is an inanimate object so to speak. Right, and that's uh, and that's where also with your uh, mm-hmm. if you're if you're if you're doing the voice for the for the avatar if you're doing the voice work for it also um, that's you really have to step your game up because in other words it's as far as your voiceover work you have to really you know nail the emotions because you can't. You know, they, they, they you can't really. They, well, there was like right now, it's like you know, I'm waving my hands around because I'm trying to figure out what to say. <laughs> but you know, you can't you can't do that. Uh, you know, you have to convey the emotion through your voice, and you know, get that to come out. Uh, get your avatar to have the right emotion showing, uh, so it all looks like it's supposed to. And those darn uh, little monocon things that they have up there, those uh, those uh, huds that they have, it's like they don't always have the proper expression. So right. it's really, so it's like one of the things that uh, through machinima acting is you have to use a lot of huds, and therefore you carry a lot of leg. 
Uh, yeah, and a HUD for, uh, for the listeners is the, who don't know. It's like a heads-up display. In other words, it would be, huh. it's a, uh, it it would be a, like uh, the emoticons uh, would be different facial expressions, and you would have this little like you would have a HUD, or it would be a uh, like a little window opened on your computer screen, and you would have to click you know, like the facial expression that you want your avatar to do. And, you know, and then you still have to, you're, you're walking through something or you're running or doing something and you have to click these different emotions, uh, emoticons to get the right expression on the avatar's face uh, and have them do the right uh, gesture uh, gestures are like falling down or waving or uh, an, an action is a, is, a, is what a, a gesture would be termed would be an action so you're doing all this stuff while you're and you may have lines that you have to say while you're and doing all this absolutely and it also animation overrides that we have as well that carry through so it's uh, you've got to think of all of these all at once with uh, the machinima acting. It's not exactly just you know the straight up voice work, right? And so uh, it can become quite convoluted. The whole thing by the time that you're done, it's like, well, did I uh, did we hold the right expression? Did we hold it for the right period of time? Did uh, did it read for the camera? Did it read wrongly for the camera? Which one do we? use where uh, where is the actual physical camera because another thing is is in machinima filmmaking as opposed to uh, live action filmmaking there's a lot of different techniques that are used in it but uh, that is neither uh, here nor there when you're talking about people also doing voiceover work in machinima when you're doing uh, when you are dealing as a machinima actor some of uh, the legit people are people like Susie Yu to talk to and Ava, and Ava Jean and so therefore it's like you want to find the people who are legit and who are willing to help right I have to add that I'm just totally a, a man in this older years of not even thinking about looking back at Tom and Jerry and uh, Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse the, the, um, the new Machinima is so awesome as as I view it, and the things that are done with it, and, and naturally the voiceover work has to be fun. I have not done that yet, but uh, but I know just uh, the machinima is so impressive and so awesome just to to watch in any form, whether it's kind of an emoticon or a, one of the movies, uh, what have you. So I want to take my hats off to people like Ken and Olaf uh, at this point, make that a point to say. Super. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's amazing work, guys. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like and to it's like for when you watch a machinima, and you see the avatar's mouth moving. Yes. Uh, the the you know, it's you know you see you hear you hear the voice, uh, voice track, and you see the mouth moving. And uh, what uh, Grace was saying is like, in other words, 
for me to say, I'm going to go over here and sit down uh, to get the Avatar's mouth to do that. Uh, in other words, by saying, I'm going to go over here and sit down, that may not get the right mouth movement. So you may actually be on the uh, on film uh, if you listen to the voice track. It, you may hear something like A E I O Y U Y Y, and that's will make the avatar's mouth move in to where it looks like it syncs up to. I'm going over here to sit down, and it could sound like you know. Um, uh, a moose call or something. <laughs> you never know what it's going to be. You know, you may be having to go, I, I, to make it, to make it come out right. Oh my. That's Tricks amazing. to the trade, huh? Tricks to the trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, so uh, let's talk also about a couple of things that here, what can, uh, it's like in each one of them, where are some of the training courses that we can take in each one of our fields? Well, I, I know Images Agency that uh, both Nathaniel and, and I'm with in St. Louis, they offer a, a three-tier program. I think the most you could spend there is about $3,000. But you can start out at level one, build at level two, and then at level three, or you can pay for all three at once. So I know a lot of these places that are legit, and you feel legit, uh, I think it's well worth the time for the coaching and the training that they have laid out. You can actually open up the book and, and see the people have trained and their opinions and so that's something to look again do your research within the agency and their training programs some of them are just trying to get that money to pay the electric bill or what have you or advertising for their own game but um, again um, it looks like again from zero as AJ said on up to uh, that I have seen up to three thousand dollars for a three level a three-tier level program of training, coaching, etc. So, uh, I know Images Agency is also, also very good about that. Mm-hmm. Well, and other places you can look is like uh, if there's a university uh, ah. near you. In other words, uh, a lot of times they'll have, uh, you know, sometimes they'll have like, you know, basic acting classes. Uh, I, I had, uh, I worked with a voice coach for uh, almost uh, 10 months. Uh, got, got almost almost to a year working with a voice coach and um, to fine-tune things a little bit. And, uh, you know, I found her because through the local university, uh, she was a, a, she's a, a professor. I mean, she teaches uh, drama or theater at the local university, mm-hmm. but uh, she also does private lessons. Uh, and I started working with her one-on-one, and she had other students she was working with. And at one point, uh, we started working on uh, Death of a Salesman. She brought like four of us together uh, and instead of doing like a one hour or two hour lesson, we would have a two hour lesson with her, but, uh, in other words, she reduced the price because she had all four of us there and working 
you know, working through the uh, characters. Um, so you, you just have to look and see, like I said, universities. Uh, you'll Google your area for if you want acting or voiceover or whatever to see if there's, you know, uh, coaches. And again, it's just your just the due diligence. In other words, you find somebody, start checking their references. Uh, you know, see you know see what kind of uh, you know see what they're like. But uh, let's say universities. Uh, if there's any uh, like here, I have uh, uh, dinner theaters. Uh, they put on they put on classes for like uh, they'll, they'll do like a week. Uh, week-long little class for like kids up to like 10 or 12 years old uh, but you know a you know, your local theaters uh, yep. uh, might they would probably do some they would probably have some uh, acting classes or you know some improv classes so just uh, Google, just Google is your friend Absolutely, Google is your friend. Um, also, another thing that I would say is, for example, with writers, I would take some uh, writing courses that are through the Writers Guild that are suggested as well. People uh, through different uh, ones. There's um, Robert McKinney. There's John Truby. There's uh, various uh, different writers that uh, that give lessons that are really great courses. If you are in terms of filmmakers, as I said, you know, there are courses. Yes, there are university courses as well as also the, through the Directors Guilds of America, Directors Guild of Canada as well, um, that they have an availability list. They'll tell you who's on what productions and stuff. Um, Rick was asking me a little bit about the background to what did she say? What did she say is actually um, third uh, on the list as well? Of movies, my first movie being The Vengeance Circle, full-length feature film, and uh, it's like uh, with that, uh, it's available. It is available through private as well as uh, soon to be available through Vimeo as well. Um, in regards to uh, to that, it's like background. I worked for a number of years with the Directors Guild of Canada. I was an AD for a number of years through the Independence. Prior to that in the industry and with what did she say it's uh, the current project that is going on and it's dealing uh, on the subject of human trafficking as we know and it's www.pastlivesproductionsinc.net but uh, it basically it's like my background I worked for many years I got lucky to be mentored by a wonderful mentor as I mentioned uh, and Michael as well as also quite a few others over the years when I started learning how to deal with film I actually started asking experts in the field of what is it that I'm supposed to do I started out with asking my immediate social circle that I was in at the Directors Guild I had happened to have met um, a wonderful AD by the name of Grant Luchabello, which I cannot say nice enough things for uh, about him, and asked, how do I get into the industry for ADing? Because after my years in theater, and he was like, well, you know, you go to the Directors Guild, you go and get your permittee, and uh, you have three people sign up for you. I wound up getting my permittee uh, position, wound up getting great people like Grant Luchabello, Myron Hoffert, other uh, other ADs that have been in the industry to 
go through. I had a chance to uh, work with many, many wonderful actors over my years, got to meet quite a few of them and had great experiences all the way through. And now, and then I decided, you know what, when that industry there started going down, uh, opening up my own production company, started out with short films. And then I was told by, and I started out with writing. Someone insulted me and said, you know absolutely nothing about film. Go, uh, it's like you don't even know what side of the camera it is other than what has been told to you. So um, we'll buy your script and we'll get rid of you that way. So my answer was get angry enough to go and get educated. So I went back to school. Super. Quite a uh, quite an impressive background. Yeah, and and active, I should say. <laughs> well, and you know what? It's one of those things of that you basic uh, you basically have to go on there and you have to say uh, with it. It's like you need uh, with it that you have to get angry enough to want to find out what it is that you need to do. And if you are truly passionate about acting, you're truly passionate about being behind the camera, you have to get angry enough to go start taking action and finding the people who are going to get you there. And with that, it's like, let's go through everyone. How can we get a hold of you, Rick? How can you get a hold of me? Uh, yes, how do we get to stalk you? Uh, yes, please, uh, my email is J A Rick R S E K forty four at yahoo.com mm -hmm. or I'd take questions. I have an open line basically to anyone interested in speaking about uh, the topics. Uh, that area code is five seven three six four five four five zero seven. Five seven three six four five four five zero seven. On Facebook it's Rick J on uh, Twitter is jrick44 or at jrick44. So I'd love to hear from you, taking your questions or, or comments, what have you. Uh, it's great to have you out there as an audience uh, and listening and taking notes. <laughs> and Nathaniel, how do we stalk you? Uh, yes, you ought to stalk me at Nathaniel underscore Lee94. That's for Twitter. Or you can like my fan page on Facebook, Nathaniel Lee. Or you can go to my website at www.nathaniellee.tk. Yeah, and Olaf, how do we get a hold of you? How do we stalk you? Well, you can stalk me on uh, Facebook and Twitter, uh, Olaf Barbosa. It's like a... a and, uh, or uh, if you got questions or questions or stuff for me, you can get me at uh, olafbarbosa at hotmail dot com. Uh, the other place you can track me down at is uh, indyradio dot org, uh, i n d y radio dot org. There's a link to all the different shows that I do with uh, that Kinte and I do, along with our other cohort. Uh, Yardley, uh, all the, all the, all the links to all our pages are there. Very cool. And Kente, 
How, uh, how is it that we stalk you and tell us what's coming up? Well, you know, I really appreciate when people stalk me, so uh, feel free to do that. Um, um, and if you're outside in the bushes and it's cold, I'll actually bring you some cocoa. But uh, cool. you can do that by following me on Twitter at KenteF. Um, you can go to our website, IndieShowcase.org, or our radio website, Indie, Indie, uh This is I-N-D-Y, by the way. Um, radio.org as well um, and um, you know tomorrow at 6.30pm Pacific 9.30 Eastern you can um, hear our show on IndieRadio.org um, the Spotlight Hollywood Edition and who's on the Spotlight? oh we have uh, the creators of the Brother Van uh, comic book series uh, so, very cool yeah that's going to be real cool and they'll be taking live questions and all that stuff so there you That's go. Really good, yes. And uh, it's like I'm kind of looking forward to that because I got like tons of comic book. Uh, it's like, of course, we all know comic book people who it's like will absolutely love this, and we'll want to uh, and we'll want to keep our ears peeled. And of course, uh, me, you can get me on the uh, website www.pastlivesproductionsinc.net. Um, can get me on Facebook. Goodness, haven't learned how to tweet yet. Nope, still uh, still haven't learned how to tweet. Uh, we we haven't hit the birdie yet. <laughs> and uh, but uh, it's like we can, uh, I can be on LinkedIn stage thirty two, um, Bizipedia. Gosh, it's like as I said, if you can't find me uh, on the net, then your net is broken. <laughs> and we hope that you tune in next time for another episode of uh, Movie Time and. We will be introducing you to new and innovative new topics. Take care and have a great evening. Take care. Thanks for listening.